Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaBusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to stop focusing on business problems and start focusing on the growth and leadership of your business. Welcome to The Business Edge with your host, Marsha Zeidel. Learn to create a growth agenda to get your business on the right track and keep it there. Rev up your growth engine with exceptional talent and develop the right kind of leadership to move it forward fast. Now, here is Marsha Zeidel. Welcome to the Business Edge, giving practical advice to entrepreneurs and business leaders on how to take your company, firm, or practice to that next level with less stress and more success. In other words, how to take the growing pains out of growth. I'm Marcia Zeidel, your Smart Moves Coach, getting you on the right track and making sure you don't get sidetracked in your drive for high performance and profitability. Today's program is Leveraging Your Business Culture. You will discover what is culture and why it's so important to the growth of a business, also the inside scoop on how culture works, and finally the connection between culture and leadership. My guest today is my dear friend, Dr. Anne Ferrante, who is an educator, executive coach, and culture expert an expertise she acquired through extensive personal, professional, and academic experience. During her corporate career as an internal organization development consultant for AT&T and Lucent Technologies, Anne designed and implemented leadership and employee development programs to support corporate-wide change management initiatives. While living and working abroad in Europe, the Middle East, and India, and gained first-hand knowledge of global workforces and cross-cultural management, which later became a central theme in her academic research and teaching. Dr. Ferrante led the Global Leadership Executive MBA program at the University of Texas at Dallas prior to joining the Kogod School of Business at American University, where she is currently Director of Graduate Programs. Welcome, Anne. It's good to have you. Yes, I'm delighted to be here today, and uh, welcome to all of our listeners as well. Um, as Marcia has mentioned, uh, culture has been a very integrated part of my life for many years, and as a business leader and working professional, it probably has been of yours too, and I think we'll see that as we go through, uh, um, you know, what culture is and how it's going to work in your business. Well, you know, I'd like to start out with a quote I recently heard. Um, that I think is relevant to today. It is, culture is a little like dropping an Alka-Seltzer into a glass. You don't see it, but somehow it does something. 
And I think we all can agree that culture certainly does something within an organization. So let's begin, Anne. What do you mean by culture? I understand there are multiple definitions. Absolutely. Culture is one of those concepts that has a lot of definitions. And I think I read somewhere um, that somebody researched and found over 245 definitions of culture. That probably tells us already, uh uh-oh, we're in trouble here. Um, But uh, culture is something tough to describe. It's one of those uh, all-inclusive yet elusive uh, phenomenon. But the good news is that um, you know it when you see it, and more importantly, you feel it when you feel it. Um, As we're going to talk about it today in the organizational context, and I'll probably be using organizational, corporate, or business culture terms sort of uh, interchangeably today in our conversation, is that it really is, at very simply, an organizational culture is really the way the business operates. Um, if we look at sort of the, you know, uh, technical definition, uh, culture is a, is a composite. Uh, it's a composite of the collective sets of values, beliefs, and assumptions that a particular unit of people holds. So if it's your organization, it's that set of collective values, beliefs, and assumptions that the folks in your organization hold that guides their behavior. Mm. And uh, your organization culture, uh, by extension of that, really defines who. Who are the relevant employees, your customers, your suppliers, your competitors, and how, how your business interacts with all of those. So the good news is uh, that culture gets manifested in a lot of ways, and we can observe it. Well, you know, that's interesting. Um, I sometimes use this analogy, which is, let's say um, I just landed in a spaceship from Mars. I've landed here in, in corporate America. And um, there is no such thing as culture and where I, on Mars. And so I know nothing about it. It's just a strange entity. So as I go about my day looking and looking at uh, at uh, businesses and people who work in businesses, um, how would I observe a business culture? What would I be looking at? Okay, just like you landed from Mars, there's some things you're going to see right away and there's some things you're just going to have to infer. So when we observe culture, we actually look at it in two ways uh, or two types. One is the visible, what we can actually see right in front of us, and the other is the more the invisible, what we don't see but we actually uh, observe by feeling and sensing. Um, I think probably an easy way to understand what I mean by those two concepts and how they play out is to use the metaphor of an iceberg. Let's think of the Titanic for a minute. Uh, when the captain first noticed the iceberg, he kind of, saw only the top and says, I think we got to steer this boat. But what he really didn't realize was how large the iceberg was underneath because most of the iceberg was hidden under the surface. So the largest part was invisible, yet as we all know, it was quite profound and made a huge impact. So if we use this analogy of the iceberg in a business culture uh, sense, the top of the iceberg, the stuff that we can see or the explicit aspects, are those that are things like uh, we would see when we walked into maybe the place where the company has its business, its logo, uh, any symbols that they're using in their advertising, perhaps any 
pictures of company heroes or the founding fathers. Those sorts of symbols tell us what's important to the company, what they want to be known for, or something about their heritage and their sources of pride. Other things we might observe um, is uh, if we walk into a company, how is their space being used? Is it open? Is it closed? Give us some indicators uh, if, the, if it's very open that conversations are flowing uh, freely and probably encouraged. If there's a lot of closed doors and corridors, um, you know, that are, that are narrow and uh, everybody's behind those doors, it might indicate that people work more privately. Mm-hmm. Dress, dress could be another one of these uh, observers. In fact, I, I, um, I remember a story a friend of mine told me about a fairly new employee who had just been there a couple of weeks that started with a very well-known company and uh, that did a lot of business with the military and other Fortune 500s. And he was a manager level. You know, he wasn't, a, you know, a lowly worker. He was quite high in the management, in fact. And after about two weeks at work, he was called into the manager's office, and he was told that a pair of Stuart Weissman shoes were waiting for him at Nordstrom. Now, this guy really knew that he had to dress well for the company. He had a suit and a tie and all that stuff. But what he really missed was the fact that this company valued expensive clothing and brands that could signal something to the outside world. So this company ascribed to a very formal culture that used status symbols to, um, to portray who they were. You know, that's a really great example um, of the the visible part of culture, but can we move on to the um, uh, um, to the to the explicit part, the things that are not as easy to notice? Okay, so yes, the stuff that that probably will you won't be able to see either by dress or by space or by logos would be the stuff that that's under the surface, the iceberg that we talked about, and things like that would be. How is the company organized in terms of its hierarchy? Is it very bureaucratic or is it more loosely uh, organized? Um, is um, the company, um, you know, so, so how do they, um, uh, for example, um, you know, uh, that, the, the structure, I would say, would govern then a lot of the decision-making and management styles of the company. And you would not necessarily know that from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other more powerful, uh, however, invisible components are those that have to do with the values and the norms of the company. And this is where it really gets tricky. This is way below the surface. So values uh, tell us, you know, what's important to people in the organization. Um, and if people feel something is important, they're going to believe there's a right way to do things and a right way to treat uh, employees, a right way to treat customers, uh, and probably other things that are not so important to them. Mm. Um, and the norms are really um, the ways in which people behave, um, the way they um, act with each other and with customers, and it determines what kind of behavior is appropriate and, and what is not. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I agree that the visible part is real easy to notice, but that it's the invisible that is the challenging part. 
And in coaching, especially with executives taking a position in a new company or even a new division, um, what is going to make or break their career is the understanding of the culture that they're moving into. So I think we're going to be talking more about that, that invisible part. But now I'd like to move on to, now that you define culture, um, what are the benefits of a business culture? I mean, why is it important? Well, um, we've seen in the research over and over again that a strong, positive organizational culture really benefits an organization and its members. First of all, it establishes uh, an identity and a sense of belonging for people. You know, people like to feel pride and let others know where they work. So if you have a very strong, positive organizational culture, people will uh, feel, feel uh, they belong to that. So it's a sense of identity. Uh, for business um productivity and for achieving objectives, uh, the organizational uh, culture helps align the behaviors, and it also helps strengthen employee commitment toward your or objectives. So your culture can serve um, as a controlling and organizing mechanism for the organization. Mm-hmm. Decision-making, um, if you have a culture and everybody knows what it is, uh, what you value, how you treat people, it makes uh, for a framework or a rationale for, by which decisions make sense and by which people can take action. So it provides this context of what's important and what's stressed so that people can use that as a basis for decision-making. Um, it also can determine ha- uh, some aspects about your structure and reporting relationships and the extent to which People um, are allowed to make input, uh, suggest new ideas, or express themselves personally. Mm-hmm. So uh, an organizational culture really affects um, all of, of um, your, your employee, the factors about your employees um, and your leadership uh, that you want to um, have completely aligned uh, to your strategic direction. Well, you know, I think that's so important because you can have a strategy, and but how do you implement that strategy, and how do you get it down to the, the down to the let's say the front line? So, so culture plays a very important part, as you described. There are five things that you said that were very important, including, and I like to focus on establish an identity, a sense of belonging. You know, people come to work, and yes, they come for a paycheck, but they come for something more. And the some of the organizations I, I've I've worked with, you can see that sense of pride. It didn't matter how much they were making; there was that sense of pride. So I think that is a really important part of culture. But now moving on, um, you know, I'm I'm Mr. and Mrs. Business person, and um, I have lots of things on my mind. I mean, I have to make some a profit. I may have to satisfy shareholders. I have employees. I have customers. Uh, why should a business care about its culture? Why should I take the time out of my busy day to think about my culture? That's a really so, good question because I know if we're busy uh, watching the store and paying attention and making sure the trains are all running on time, we often time, uh, have, don't have time to think strategically. However... Um, the research has shown us over and over again that there is a very strong connection between culture and organizational performance. 
um, about uh, 20, 30 years ago, uh, improving uh, organizational success by aligning the culture was the, the work of and research of a lot of behavioral uh, researchers. And through that research, they began to understand the, the importance and the power of culture. But in the last 25 years or so, um, in, in the literature and also in our, our everyday uh, business conversations, it's, uh, the topic of culture has is, is received a much broader audience of, of attention because it's actually moved out of the realm of, of human resources uh, and, and training exclusively and into the realm of, of strategy. Uh, companies with strong uh, corporate cultures um, outperform companies with weak cultures. That's as simple and as straightforward as you can be. Um, in a Deloitte uh, firm um, consulting report, um, they, they surveyed uh, several hundreds of uh, businesses and executives and, and employees within those organizations, and uh, exceptional businesses think that strategy and culture are really two sides of the same coin. Um, executives, almost all executives, 98% and 80% of, 88% of employees believe that workplace culture is important to business uh, success. In fact, as I was preparing to our, our conversation today, I happened to run across a catchy little title in an article uh, for small business that says, um, in business, culture eats strategy for breakfast. <laughs> so I was, I was kind of, I was very amused by that headline because I've been working in culture for many, many years and I, I said to myself, well, I guess it's finally come of age. Yes, I, I've also seen that article and it made me chuckle as well. Um, now that we've, you know, you've given us the generalities about culture, um, I'm sure our audience would like to know uh, some examples of high-performing companies, especially I think you have some that they, they know and can identify with. So what are some companies that have a strong culture? Okay, most people can really recognize a lot of top companies uh, because we hear about them on the news um, or we read about them in best places to work, and they all have some kind of a strong link between their culture and the fact that they are considered high performance in one dimension or another. Let's take, for example, uh, the Fortune 500, Fortune 500 companies that have been around for a really long time. Uh, the two to come at my mind are IBM and, and General Electric, and both of them are known and respected globally for their excellence and their financial performance. Uh, for my doctoral research, I interviewed several uh, General Electric managers, and they strongly have um, a performance-based culture that only retains 90 percent uh, of all performers, um, and uh, the the stress on excellence and performance uh, was something that I could hear probably in every single word that that those folks uh, spoke about. Um, the, if you look at Silicon Valley, a lot of high-tech companies, ones that we all know um, and we see almost every day in the news, Apple and Google, uh, they're known and respected globally for their innovation. And there's no shortage of news about their, you know, latest concierge-style services. But um, if you look beyond that, what they're really trying to say is we have cultures here where people feel relaxed, they kind of hang around, we offload them of the day-to-day details so they can free up their minds to innovate. 
Um, if we shop online, um, like I do, uh, we have a lot of uh, two well-known um, online companies, Zappos in particular, Land's End. They're noted for their quality products, but also their excellent service. Uh, Tony Shea has made headlines, and his well-articulated and practiced uh, customer service values as Zappos are legendary. Um, you don't see a person ever, but they make you feel very important. Well, you know, Anne, it's time for a short break. So when we get back, um, maybe you can give a personal example that is service in your backyard. So this is Marcia's Idol, and you're listening to The Business Edge on Voice America's Business Channel. Stay tuned, and we'll be back shortly. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Social media is growing at an astounding rate. In just virtually five short years, we have seen YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter take the world by storm. How do you effectively make social media work for you? Tune in to The Social Universe with host Kurt Wilhelm. We'll show you how to market your business or yourself to get ahead, especially in unstable economic times. We'll also discuss practices that you can apply to increase visibility and revenue as you unlock the mysteries of the social universe. The Social Universe is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidal. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge. Well, we're back with Dr. Ann Ferrante, corporate culture expert, and we're talking about leveraging your business culture. Uh, we have talked about the what is culture, why is it important, um, how do you see it, and we we were looking at some high performing companies such as Google and Zappa. But but let's take it to our own backyard because we have all of us have companies that we we do business with that have a great culture. They may not be known beyond our region or our, our city. So, Anne, give me an example, something that you recently experienced. Yes, uh, I actually um, had a service right in my own backyard. Uh, I was recently um, an outpatient uh, for some surgery at Georgetown Medical Center here in Washington, D.C., and would spit out about my experience um 
in, in that um, hospital setting was not so much the attention that was given to me, which was excellent, but also was the attention that was given to my husband who accompanied me. Uh, he was greeted very, very warmly on the day of surgery, given two coupons for Starbucks coffee, and, um, you know, it, it spoke volumes to me because the hospital clearly had recognized that even though, you know, outpatient surgery is like an assembly line and can be very technical in nature, um, there was a human being in my life that was caring about me and worried about me. And so it signaled to me that they really built a very holistic culture uh, about understanding the patient and the patient as a whole person. So um, even on a very small scale, you don't have to be the Fortune 500, your culture can speak volumes about who you are. Yes, and I think you, you know, what it says to me is that you received excellent care and attention at every touch point from the time you, you entered to the hospital to the, to the way your husband was treated to when you left. And I think that this is a great example for, for many companies, uh, not only hospitals, to pay attention to their customers at every touch point because that will, that will determine whether it has a very big factor in customer satisfaction. And just for the audience to know that a future program will be focusing on this. So now back to culture. Uh, just real briefly before we move on to uh, the inside scoop and how culture works, um, you, we need to just say, you know, why is culture a hot topic now? Why is it coming, you know, culture has been with us, but why now, Anne? Well, why now is because um, successful companies who have, who have been uh, looked at over the years um, know uh, that everyone is watching. The financial investors, uh, there are your business competitors, um, there are your consumers who are seeking value, there are uh, career aspiring professionals out in the market that want to work to you, work for you. So everybody wants to know what's, it, what are you like? Um, will you be able to perform well? And so there's, you know, obvious multiple factors for success. However, you know, the one constant that seems to be underlying all of this is that the top-performing companies that have focused on people in some way or another create competitive advantage by effectively managing their talent. Uh, companies that can tap into the human talent and harness it with a positive culture have been known to be more innovative. They achieve better financial performance. They enjoy stronger customer brand loyalty, and they become attractive places to work. And that people attraction is really important today. We hear a lot about uh, talent and the, the importance of hum, human talent. And culture creates a very sustainable process for excellence. Um, people who share values together, they work better. And when they work better, they achieve more. And when people uh, identify and love working for their company, they tend to work harder and produce more. And companies... Uh, get the value of both the, the enhanced productivity, but they also gain a great reputation that enables them to attract talent. So these high-performing companies really, really believe in the saying, people are more, our most important assets. And, and, and that unfolds in, in how they work together, and that is what the culture is really about. So now let's move on to the what you call the inside scoop. 
how does culture really work? Because we've been talking about it, but you know, let's let's look at it, and and so that our audience could get examples of how they can make culture work in their organization. So it seems like culture is like a, a secret sauce. What do you mean by that, Anne? Yes,、uh, I heard the the name secret sauce too, and I like that because it's very catchy. You know, every organization、uh, has a mix of factors, but we all pretty much do the same thing, right? We've got a product or a service.、Um, we、um, have suppliers. You know, we have the whole thing. Every every component is, is just about a lookalike. And so, if you use the food analogy, some companies are like a stew, a little chunky here and there. Others are like a soup and really smooth. Other others are like a colorful salad. But it's all food in the end, and some are special. And some get noted for their culture or their secret sauce.、Um, when a culture is unique and distinctive and cannot be easily duplicated, it can set your business apart, and in that sense, it becomes strategic.、And、well, can you、uh, can you give me two examples of culture? I think that's where you're going.、Uh, what might be two examples of it? Okay. Well, two examples of、uh, culture. Um, let's go back to Google because we did talk about that before a little bit about its unique culture.、Um, Google uses its culture almost as a magnet to attract the talent that it that it wants.、Um, you know, we know that、um, you know the Google culture. You know, everybody thinks of it as the sushi bars or the nap stations that the company has, but it really goes beyond that. Their their culture embodies what the company stands for, and their values are clear. Um, they really define their work, work culture through the work style and the relationships that people can build with each other、uh, to innovate, to collaborate, and therefore they need open, unstructured、uh, work environments. So their culture then,、um, for them, is a magnet、uh, to attract people whose values and styles、uh, meet theirs. And、uh, not everybody wants to work there. But those who, who、uh, whose values match, they really want to work there. So,、uh, in, in terms of Google, they use their culture as their employment brand. Okay, and I think you have another example which is very different than Google, right? Yeah, yeah. Here's another example of like how、um, how you get the the link really between your employment brand and your customer brand, and this is a, is an interesting example. From USAA in San, in San Antonio, I think we've all probably seen their commercials on TV,、uh, where the where all people from different age groups、uh, say, "I got mine in such and such a year." And this is an insurance company that serves only active and retired military. And the reason why、uh, USAA is highly su-、uh, successful and, and outperforms is because their frontline employees, the ones that deal every single day with that person. On the end of the line or at the end of the internet、uh, connection, they have a strong identif- identification with their customers. They have a very、um, much admired training program where all of their employees em- learn to emphasize,、uh, empathize, I should say,、um, and emphasize, you know, what、um, an active duty service person goes through and what are their financial needs. And they actually, you know, even go through these exercises where they eat the、uh, meals ready to eat, and they walk around in backpacks. And、uh, even though a lot of their business is conducted virtually, those service representatives 
have an affinity and appreciation for that person at the other end of the line. So those customer touch points that you spoke about, Marsha, are very tight there. And in this example, because the employees are tight uh, with, the, with their mission, uh, the company mission, everyone is aligned, uh, people are bought in, people are proud to work there, and as a result, the customers um, get excellent service, and this bond that they have uh, within the company has also allowed them to create a lot of innovation that has further then improved and made their customers' lives easier. You know, as you were talking about um, this last example of USAA, and 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 you said most of their most of their uh, their communication is virtual, and and you know what it brought to my mind um, is that I wish that when I would call help desk of of my computer or whatever uh, uh, you know instrument or that I have to get help that I would be treated in the same way because a lot of times we're not. It's really hard when you're talking on the phone to a stranger and you, to, to to empathize with them. So I think USAA is doing such a great job and and you gave you know both um, two great examples of the Google culture, which is trying to develop that culture internally and hire the right people to fit that culture, the right people with the right values. And where USAA is also doing that, but the, the, but it's also part of their customer branding as well. And so th- thank you, Ann, for those two examples. Um, and now I'd like to move on. Could you mention that business culture can be leveraged as your brand? Uh, what has to be happening behind the scenes to make this work? I mean, these are great examples, but really, how do you make this work? Well, I'm really um, glad that you used the word work because uh, building and sustaining a business culture really does require work. Uh, building a culture is, is a lot more involved than just putting some nice-sounding words on a piece of paper and posting it on the walls or trying to copy you know, copycat someone else's culture. It's got to be distinctively yours. Uh, and it also has to be maintained and nurtured. So it does require work. Um, in my experience, there's really three essentials that have to be there that will make or break, um, you know, your ability to establish a culture that can be leveraged. Uh, the first one that you talked about and that we've, ta- we've alluded to a couple of times already is that of fit. Um, you know, whether we're conscious of it or not, we as individuals, um, every single person has their own culture, and every single company has their own culture. So, um, you know, putting two and two together here, uh, in short, you know, companies have to hire employees who fit their culture, and employees have to find the companies with mm-hmm. the right fit. So this, this organizational fit is, is, is a really huge factor. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, I recently read an article, um, actually the title was called Organizational Culture Values and Fit in the Workplace, Choosing the Right Job. And again, this article was based on research that says that one of the most critically important factors in choosing a right job is fit. Um, and that means the extent to which your personal values match the culture of the organization. And why is that important? Well, because uh, when we first started talking about culture, the values of the organization get expressed in the management practices, and therefore it's going to affect um, every single person, you know, basically on a daily basis. 
um, and and all of the uh, other processes that that are derived from the culture um, are touch points that touch the employee every single day. Anything from decision making to the strategy to how the people um, treat the customers, you know, all of these things are, are flow from from cultural values. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, it will infuse basically all of the employee experience in the organization and, and even the way you perform your work. So uh, the downside of it is if, you're, if you don't have a good match between your values and the way you like to work and what's important to you and what the organization culture is and how they do things, um, it can have a lot of um, implication for your own quality of work life and, and satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, just I wanted to add something because um, also the coaching I do is that I do um, work with um, professionals and managers, and um, they are really good. They're technically good at what they do. And then they get hired into a company or a position where there is, it's not a good match. It's, it's, you know, their, their values and their style of work does not match what the position or what that, what that department is looking for. And, um, an example was that, you know, in, in Dallas, Southwest Airlines has this wonderful reputation and it really does a superb job of of attracting and hiring the right the right fit and i remember coaching someone and um he was brought he was hired away from another company and it was in the in one of the departments and it didn't work and he was let go and i know he came to me and he said how could that happen i mean southwest airlines is this wonderful company and we really looked at that it wasn't a good fit, and he had to find a, an organization that was a better fit for him. I'm just surprised that Southwest Airlines didn't see that ahead of time. So you've you, you know you've also talked about um, uh, where would you like to go now? Would you like to you know to talk a little more about fit, or would you like to go on to alignment? Yes, let me just say a few words uh, you know about. How do you detect that? It is very, very hard to detect the organizational culture when you're first interviewing for a job, right? Because right. Um, when you're interviewing, you want to put your best foot forward. You want the job. There's things that sound really great about it. So we tend to, you know, uh, put our best foot forward, and, and maybe we're not listening as clearly as we need to listen. <laughs> and and also the other thing is, um, just like we talked about underneath the iceberg, a, a lot of these values um, get socialized within the organization uh, over time. And so it's really hard to see them uh, if you're just uh, there for a very short while. Uh, but they are very, very powerful uh, values. And uh, there, there are ways to uh, learn how to ask the right questions when you're interviewing, um, but whether you're the uh, employer or the employee that's looking for a job to, to try to test out uh, sort of behavioral situations, you know, how how would you approach this, how would you uh, behave in these situations, and that tends to tease out um, from people's answers uh, their values and and why do we want to know all this uh, and this organizational fit? Is that because we need to align it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The the fact once we've got the fit, that's great, but now we need to figure out what happens next. And so what, well. You- you know what, Anne? I'm wondering if we could, if you can just hold your thought 
for a second because I'd like to move on to alignment. But first, it's time for a short break. Uh, this is Marcia Zidle, and you're listening to The Business Edge on Voice America's Business Channel. When we return, Dr. Ferrante will continue with the second and third important factors of culture, and then we'll move on to the leadership connection. So stay tuned, and we'll be back shortly. which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidle. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge. Welcome back. I'm here with uh, Dr. Ann Ferrante, corporate culture expert, and when we left... Uh, she was talking about what makes or break, uh, establishing a culture. And we, and she, we gave some really, uh, good examples of fit. And now we're moving on to alignment and then, and then leadership. So Anne, tell me more about alignment. Yes, well, alignment actually, uh, becomes the next logical thing that happens, uh, once an employee, hopefully with a good fit, joins the company. So what is alignment? Why is it, why is it important to culture? Well, first of all, the definition, you know, alignment is a condition in which everyone in the organization has a commonality, the key word here, commonality of purpose, a shared vision, and an understanding of how their personal role is going to support the overall strategy. So that's just some very powerful words in there, the common commonality of purpose and the understanding of personal roles. So when an organization is aligned, then... Um, and, and people uh, feel empowered, they can innovate, they're, they're more apt to take risks because they know uh, what they're doing and why they're doing and how it all fits in. 
So um, encouraging and empowering individuals to take initiative um, in an unaligned organization, one that doesn't have in, um, good alignment, actually can lead to chaos. And, uh, you know, I've heard people express that as um, equivalent to taking a, a group of puppy dogs out for a walk without a leash. <laughs> so, uh, you know, alignment is important to keep uh, organization and keep focus. Um, alignment, uh, how, how do you achieve it, is actually a two-part process. Um, it's The first part is that um, the organization's strategic objectives have to be clearly communicated in ways that everybody can connect with it. They can understand the direction and the purpose of the organization. And then, more specifically, individuals or teams, if you're doing team stuff, you need objectives that align with your strategy. And most important here, and I just read an article from Harvard Business Review about this, is that there needs to be measurement and rewards associated uh, when the objectives are achieved. So it has to be a flow-through of everything, uh, clarity of the mission, the strategic direction, how the individual fits in, and then measuring uh, and rewarding uh, when those particular goals and objectives are achieved. Um, in fact, the article was uh, was titled "The Fastest Way to De- Demotivate People <laughs> is to Have Misalignments of war- uh, Rewards and Recognition." So your whole system sort of has to shape up for the common goal. Right. You know, it's the common problem of satisfy the customer but get them off the line quickly, you know, or satisfy the customer, but we can't give them a rebate or whatever it is. There, That is misalignment. And so the, the person who is trying to deal with this is hearing mixed messages. So I think, as you said, alignment is so important, starting with the with the mission and the shared direction and and reverberating down to the, the shop floor, as they say, or the fr- frontline employees. So now that we've talked about fit and alignment, Let's focus on the last thing, which is leadership, which is my love. Um, tell me about leadership and culture. Well, leadership is actually the glue, really, that's going right. to hold a lot of these things together, right? And I'd like to, to borrow uh, an observation from uh, really the godfather of organizational culture, Edgar Sheen. Uh, he says that, you know, organizational culture is a social construct. And it's created and it's changed through conversation. So he says, each conversation makes meaning of the observed actions and it reinforces and builds and it challenges uh, sometimes the current cultural norms and beliefs. So through daily conversation, uh, culture can be created and it can be changed. And that's very powerful news because... Um, leaders actually uh, become the cultivators of change. Uh, culture gets built one day at a time. It's interaction after interaction. It's conversation after conversation. And so leadership is a central and a powerful influence on the perception of the company's culture both inside and out. And uh, so as, as trite as this may sound, um, it's so important for leaders to be aware of what they do, what they don't do, what they say, what they don't say. 
Um, you know, they, they absolutely need to walk the talk and walk the walk. Those are overused words, but they're extremely powerful and important when it comes to culture. One of the, one of the reasons why it's important is because we all as people, and I think all of us can identify with this, really experience culture or organizational life in our immediate group, right? Our immediate team or our department. And usually under the guidance of a manager or, or, or leader. And although the company might have an overarching corporate culture, sometimes the issue of subculture uh, can also exist in an organization. And there the role of the leader becomes absolutely critical. And so, um, can you tell me a little more about that? Um, um, I think you alluded to subcultures when you talked about Southwest Airlines, right? Everybody knows right. the reputation of Southwest, but sometimes you may end up in a pocket of Southwest uh-huh. where they're they're not really living the value that you thought you were hired for. So subcultures can sometimes um, form around uh, functional disciplines, uh, you know, like say the accounting department or the human resource department, or um, you know, a particular function, or more likely than not, <laughs> uh, this is the tricky part, they can form around strong personalities or very powerful people within the organization. And when these subcultures are strong, you know, to the positive or the negative, uh-huh. uh, they dramatically uh, affect the way uh, either the employee fits with it or how well they identify with it. So basically at the end of the day, you know, the small group of analysis is, where employees tend to define and identify with the culture. And it's in these small groups that leaders can exert the most influence. Well, you know, it's like if you you go into a big company and you go to one division, as I've seen, and one department, and then you go into a, a different department or a different division, it's like sometimes night and day. And um, I think that people don't understand that, especially if they come from a culture where even within the company where it's warm and fuzzy and they have a lot of freedom and then they go into another department or business unit where it's run much more structured. And that's where some of these problems come in. You know, um, uh, one of the things that I, as you talked about the leadership role, I've seen it, I've used I, I think of it as the leader is like a director of a play. The leader sets the stage, gives the cues, but really, and, and therefore, and maybe is not in the, uh, and impacts the performance and the performers. And that leadership style could be very direct or very indirect, but I think the bottom line is that the leader's role is a powerful role in shaping the culture. And you also said it's one day at a time. It's not just a one, you know, one shot event bringing everyone into an auditorium and having a motivational speaker or seeing a, a, a wonderful video. It is one day every day in the, t- uh, at a time. Do you agree with that, Anne? You know? Yes, I absolutely do. And another article that I, that I like to use in, in several of my classes is, is about um, motivation and engaging employees. And one of the key messages there is uh, surveys have been done and research has been done, and it finds out that, you know, employees know that a lot of what gets posted on the wall about, you know, the way things should be in the company or the ideal 
don't always work that way, and there is subcultures and all of this. But the, as I, I said before, the unit analysis and the uh, leader is what is most important. They hold their leaders accountable, even though they know <laughs> it might be corporate policy that this or that or the other thing is going on or this cannot be done or that cannot be. At the end of the day, they hold their leaders accountable to know them, to know them as people, to uh, to lead them, to guide them, uh, to care about them, to align their work, and to really uh, be an authentic human being with them. Well, you know, we're getting to the the end, and so I just want you to cover real quickly, how do you know uh, what your business culture is? I think you have a couple of quick things that, that uh, companies can do, correct? Yes. The, I think we all could probably observe our own culture or any culture in a very quick way. Uh, the first thing to do is to be a great observer. Uh, step up and out of a situation that you're trying to um, view, you know, go to a higher altitude, so to, be, uh, so to speak, and uh, develop a, a curious mind. Uh, watch for, uh, watch people stuff. What, what's peop- what are people getting excited or angry or emotional about? Um, what are symbols and artifacts? What's being said? What's not being said? And this is very powerful if you can get your hands on it. What's the company spending money on and what are they spending time on? Time and money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're in your interview or, or anything, you can ask questions. Well, what is it like to work here? What would you tell someone? Or if you could change one thing, what would it be? Or, you know, who succeeds here? These sorts of things. Um, and if, you, if you're going to look at your culture and you want to adjust it in some way, remember that it's a very powerful thing. You know, the patterns have existed for a long time. And so, you know, corporate culture is not, you know, a project. It's going to be a process. So uh, if you want to assess and, and, and shift, you have to figure out where you are at the moment. Um, you know, and you could look at several things. How well are people connected to the mission? Uh, what are the leadership and management styles that get rewarded in your organization? Um, you know, what kind of language do you use that to, to talk to each other uh, and the dynamics that people have, uh, you know, your traditions, you know, all of these sorts of things. You can look at all of these uh, dimensions. Then you figure out what you want to change, but remember always that you have to start with values and that authenticity is the key and that culture is going to flow from values. Well, you know, I, I think this is a good point to end because there is a, you've given us such a great uh, overview and things that, uh, about culture, and I'd love to have you back so we can talk some more about how to really make it work, how to, how to give business people the, the, the ideas and the practical uh, steps to do this. So thank you so much, Anne, for leveraging your, your business culture. And now it's time for Marsha's musing, some quotes about culture from people who've been there. And I just want to give you three quotes. The only thing of real importance that leaders do is to create and manage a culture, exactly what we were talking about. Too many leaders are focused on the quarterly earnings. They need to be focused on culture. Second quote, if you do not manage culture, it manages you. And you may not even be aware of the extent of that is happening. 
I think a lot of business leaders and entrepreneurs may not be aware of their culture or they think they have one culture and it really isn't, uh, it really isn't. And then the third, um, a quote is, in most organization change efforts, it's much easier to draw on the strengths of the culture than to overcome the constant constraints by changing the culture. In other words, go with your strengths. What are your strengths? Every, uh, every company has a strength. Uh, what are the strengths of your talents that you bring in? And how do you leverage them? Because that is what, what is really going to help you grow your company. So we have talked about leveraging your corporate culture. Let me give you next week's um, topic. It is the five deadly sales mistakes business people make. Whether you are a business person who needs to get your message across or a salesperson who needs to close large, complex sales, uh, Nancy Kramer is our guest, and her five sales solutions will give you simple things that you can change today to be more effective uh, now. It's not something for the future, but what can you do right now to, to, to be better at sales? Nancy, um, so, so that's uh, for next week, and I'd like to close with thank you, everyone, for listening. This is Marcia Zeidel, CEO of Leaders at All Levels, Smart Moose Coach and Speaker, who works with companies, professional practices, and business leaders on the move. They want to move up to the next level ahead of their competition into new areas over and around obstacles towards having staying power to be alive and well today and tomorrow. Remember, keep moving every day towards your goals. See you next week. You've been listening to The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel. Please join us again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy taking your business to the next level. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 